breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Old. One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. I did drop by and uh, visit with Erin yesterday. Wanted to check on her. I kind of wanted to leave her alone for the weekend. I knew I knew uh, the, the the first few days after the surgery. Oh yeah, would be rough. Gotta be hell. Yeah, she'd be you know she'd be loopy and of course not that we could tell, but uh, <laughs> very true. I, I did get one of the um, king cakes. From uh, it was one of those, uh, oh, eat fit I think or yeah, something like yeah. that. King cakes, eat fit king cakes, and uh, I brought it. I, I, I told her we we wanted to do it on the air one morning and try them because uh, I did a story on them uh, several weeks ago. Now seems like, and uh, so I wanted to bring. I found them and I bought a couple of them and yeah, wanted to. I told her I'd bring one by. So. I did, and she was doing well. Good, and good. and so yeah, she was. Uh, she and she and JW were watching soccer, of course, some soccer, yeah, yeah, yeah. some soccer match on on TV. I don't, I don't really follow soccer. I don't either. I have no idea. Sorry, Scott. Uh, yeah, sorry, Scott. Aaron, uh, <laughs> the world. I guess <laughs> that's one of those. It wasn't here when I was growing up. We didn't have soccer. We didn't have Caboso. It wasn't in the schools. You had football, baseball, and tennis and track. Right. So. Uh, apparently we had some fireworks a little bit, not, not major, nothing, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to blow something out of proportion, uh, at the Shreveport City Council meeting yesterday. Uh, a couple of council members were upset about funding for, uh, road repair. We got, uh, District C Council Member Jim Talaferro on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for, uh, being available at this ungodly hour. Oh, it's not ungodly. You know, typically this is how I rise, about 5 o'clock, and we're rocking and rolling. Well, I figured you were. That's why I didn't hesitate too much to uh, to text you and, and check in with you. So, sure, no worries. Uh, yesterday uh, at, the, at the council meeting, there was uh, a little, I, I say fireworks, uh, a little exchange. <laughs> the um, city engineer, Patrick Furlong, was making his presentation about uh, funding for road repair, and mm-hmm. a couple council members got upset. He said the, the, their, their initial um, uh, estimate had gone up by $3 million, and then mm-hmm. they checked in, and it was another million. Can, can mm-hmm. you recap on what, what, what happened? Well, I, I, I got to tell you that uh, I did have to step out briefly to take an, uh, another call. But, um, yeah, the exchange actually happened because of uh, budgetary concerns, budgetary um, um, overruns and so forth uh, with regard to materials is what I understand. And um, all of us, I think all of us, are facing um, our constituents and our constituents said, hey, you know, we have – we have been kind of neglected for years on simple road repairs, um, whether it's in our residences or whether it's in our public thoroughfares. So, yes, I think Councilman Bowman and Councilman uh, Tampa Taylor, um, they had been, they felt that they had been put on the back burner 
uh, for the last three years. And, of course, it's no fault of this administration. We are trying to, and this administration is trying to get a handle on all of the costs that go into multiple projects. As you all know, Aaron's biggest thing is Knight Street, which was funded a long time ago, yet we have yet seen any kind of movement. And um, so I inquired about Knight Street specifically, not yesterday, but during conversations with streets and so forth. And, you know, basically it's, right now we just don't have the money. Well, that's kind of really not acceptable. And I think uh, certain council people um, are really kind of passionate, obviously passionate about serving their constituents and getting quality of life issues taken care of. So that was the majority of the gist of the conversation. Well, and when you talk about Knight Street, though, since you brought that up, um, mm-hmm. there was a bond issue passed. Why isn't sure. we ha- we well, had the money? It? You're absolutely right. We had the money set aside, and, and of course, my my thing today is I need to figure out where that money went, and um, because that's that's our job is that if you have a, if you appropriate money for a specific project and the people vote on it, the people trust you to spend the money wisely, like they they voted for then where is it and where did it go and what do we use it for now one of the one of the things when uh, patrick furlong was making his presentation um councilman council person bowman got upset mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. said he was lying mm-hmm. and, and her quote is it's because you keep telling us lie after lie after lie and we need some transparency it's a mess unquote yeah, that is. I think that is one of the biggest um, things that obviously we all want from any administration that we serve, and that's what our constituents want is just tell us, so we can tell our constituents. Just be honest with us. With us, if you don't have the money, we don't have the money. Tell me why we don't have the money. If costs are going up, tell me the costs are going up, and we're trying to do a workaround as far as getting those materials into um, to make the necessary repairs. But um, I think their biggest thing is, and I don't want to speak for them, but I think if if it was me, I just want to know. That's all you have to tell me is tell me the truth. Tell me what I need to know so I can tell others, you know, and be relatively factual about what I'm telling you and that we are working diligently to kind of do the workarounds to make those things happen as, as far as streets and, and projects like that. Now, this was budgeted. Some of these projects were budgeted uh, by the council last year, and, That's correct. and Patrick Furlong said they got an estimate about six months ago, and mm-hmm. it's it's now because of, is this strictly due to inflation? An additional three million. It was three million six months ago, and now uh, apparently a month ago it's up to four million more. Yeah, I, I think in. Uh... It's hard to say if inflation is the end-all, be-all reason for anything, but it seems to be a common denominator in a lot of construction costs. You've seen that in the housing industry. You've seen that in commercial building. You've seen that in um, um, businesses not really ready to do the brick and mortar because of the high cost of materials. I, I would be remiss if I didn't believe that that has something to do with it. Um, I'm all about like, okay, if, if you're sitting around waiting for the prices to go down, you know, it reminds me of famous Amos cookies when he bought, when he started his business and sugar was at an all time high and it really wasn't going down. So you just kind of bite the bullet. You buy what you can, you repair what you can, but I'm not the streets guy, but uh, I know that infrastructure needs to be taken care of. We need to be diligent about it. And sometimes we just have to buy the materials at inflated prices. I know that sounds easy, but. Um, 
you know, I, I think we're all looking for a great solution for our constituents. Talking with uh, yeah, Councilman Jim Talaferish, Report City Council. Jim, can you hold on for uh, for another segment here after the break? Yeah, sure. I want to talk to you about uh, the city cameras and tell oh, me yeah. what was discussed there. Yeah. Uh, Mikey McCarty, 1017. Seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty, Scott Hughes in studio for Aaron this week. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, uh, Shreveport City Councilman for District C, Jim Talaferro, meeting yesterday. A uh, little excitement going on, but you said you discussed the uh, the camera situation. What was discussed? Anything determined? Yeah, you know, the blue line has got the contract for the uh, the school zone speed cameras. And uh, there were questions asked about uh, certain areas uh, where the cameras were installed, where the flashing lights were not uh, working properly. Uh, one of the biggest concerns or one of the biggest questions was, do we need um, a two-hour window for school zones running from 7 to 9 or 2 to 4? And that was, that was some discussion. Uh, of course, Blue Line uh, has done research. And across um, in a variety of other cities, and they typically have a two-hour window. Uh, I think the uh, proposal from the uh, administration, um, the mayor's office, is that we narrow that window down and um, kind of go along with uh, what our schools really have as far as scheduling goes. So that was a little bit of discussion. Um, I know that Blue Line is uh, very uh, proactive as far as um, lowering the speeds um, and um, kind of changing the culture as far as going through school zones. I know that I don't have it in front of me, but um, we've lowered our um, our speed um, violations by approximately 80, 85, 86%. Um, so we know that they are working. However, there are some there are some people out there, some of our constituents that receive multiple tickets because of the um, – the way that the school zones have been set up in certain areas around certain schools and that um, obviously you're talking about $125 I think is about the average ticket and when you get six of those or five of those and you're you're a teacher and you're this is your school zone but yet there's nothing that indicates that there's anything going on as far as electronic monitoring then that can be very upsetting and that was one of our concerns as well so I think Blue Line is willing to work with us I pretty much um, asked, um, and I, I, I'm sorry, slips his, slipped my mind that the, uh, the president of Blue Line is that what are we going to do for the, the constituents that actually got tickets when the school zones really were not functioning properly? And so I think they're going to look, he's going to look into that as well. I know that, uh, he is going to be willing to install a lot of electronic, um, flashers, uh, that are throughout the city and the school zones to make sure that everything is synchronized. So um, we're we are we are have we have the the uh, I'm sorry we we have the system in place. It's just that we are responsible to our constituents to ensure that that system functions um, and is a, in in a highly respectable manner. Now the school zones are, are seven to nine and two to four. Is that current? And I know they talked about changing the hours. That's correct. They are current now, but keep in mind that um, not all schools operate in the same hours. Right. So that is one of the things that we have to tailor. 
really has to be tailor-made for that specific school zone. Um, high schools are different. Uh, elementary schools are different. Um, so that has been one of the concerns with our constituents in a variety of areas. I know that Lakeshore around Judson, um, they received a lot of citations over there, and that was because of, uh, a, a, I think, faulty um, or non-existing or non-working um, traffic control devices or monitoring, uh, not monitoring guys do it, but uh, the school zone signs, the flashing lights. So we're working on that area specifically, and there are other areas that have been brought to their concern, and they have been very diligent, willing to um, ensure that those school zones that we are currently operating in are going to be um, uh, monitored properly using the electronic devices. Jim, good morning. This is this is Scott Hughes. Quick, quick follow up to that. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, it, what's your advice if we have citizens that have an issue? They've gotten a ticket. We've we've heard of some people appealing. I'll use that word in quotes. Their ticket. What would be your advice to someone that gets one of those tickets and they think that they they that they uh, perhaps the camera was improper? Because I know fine tuning is important. We're going to get there, but in, it's just, I think what Mike's asking about this interim period is as y'all fine tune the cameras. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, Blue Line is actually looking at um, having a, for lack of a better word, a real live person to handle concerns and complaints um, regarding the uh, tickets uh, associated with these school zones. Um, right now, they can best call the Shreveport Police Department Traffic Division, and they can kind of give um, give the contact number for Blue Line. And he realizes that the problem is that blue lines answering or um, consultants are outside the city and we want someone that actually is local so our people can actually deal with someone on a local level that understands our area and understands the school zones and so forth so but right now um, contacting the Shreveport police department and our traffic division and if uh, if they don't if they don't see the number on the back of the citation when they do get it they can always call in one of the other thing is is our delays in getting citations out there. I don't have the answer to that, but I know that people really it's like I don't know that I'm in violation of a um, uh, a freeway in Texas when I when I don't pay the toll until weeks later. I'm going. I don't even remember being there. So this is one of the issues that we hopefully to rectify with someone being on the ground that is local. They can be our kind of liaison between Blue Line and our constituents that receive citations. Jim, last 20 seconds here. Are they still planning on uh, installing these in every school zone in Caddo Parish? I think that is just up to um, one of the things that I did ask as far as I'm, I'm glad you reminded me that um, I asked the, the Blue Line to produce is I'd like to know the number of citations that occur within a certain period of time the school zones are open because one of the things that we are looking at is the two to four or the two to four or the uh, seven to nine. And if, if citations are issued in the first hour, then we really should not extend the other the other hour. Um, but there are a lot of things that we are working on because we just definitely want to make sure that this system functions properly and efficiently. Shreveport City Councilman Jim Talaferro, thanks for talking with us this morning. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for the invitation. All right. 101.7 FM, 7th day. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Ruben, Ruben sent me that video. I don't know, I know if you've ever seen it. I know all the words to the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Mike and McCarty, Scott Hughes in for Aaron. I went by yesterday, and you, you, you've you already lambasted me for my gift that I brought her. <laughs> the woman is in recovery, and you brought a fake king cake. I know. I, well, we wanted to try them, so I got her one, too. So I, I brought I'm sure she was excited. I'm sure. I, I know. I'll her be first visitor. <laughs> her first visitor from afar bearing... Fake king cake. Healthy. A, a healthy option. A healthier option. A commoner cake, as it were. <laughs> the box is a healthy option, I think. I tried. I tried. It's the thought that matters. She's doing well. She seems to be, uh, I mean, she's in good spirits, and she wasn't up and about. She was in a, a recumbent position. It's the shoulder the, surgery, right? Yeah. It's the shoulder. Yeah, and so and she had that big brace, and it was all bound tightly and so she's been into watching. swimming that's this is going to make it hard her swimming yeah. is going to yeah they were watching a, a soccer tournament on tv i saw oh good quality yeah. mom son time uh, yeah yeah big big nice tv so i didn't stay long i didn't want to interrupt but her son I, is I a soccer coach unannounced. i know yeah in fact the uh, uh, he said that Parkway in somebody was Parkway, playing. Um, we, we had three local teams that played last night. Parkway High School, the Parkway Lady Panthers, were on the road in Lafayette against St. Thomas Moore. That was it. The number one ranked team in Louisiana, and they're ranked nationally. Um, and St. Thomas Moore won. Parkway has a – it's a great season for Parkway. They made the state quarterfinals. But, unfortunately, they ran into a buzzsaw last night at St. Thomas Moore. Locally, the Loyola Flyer girls, Lady Flyers, won 2 nothing. They're ranked number one in the state in their division. They moved to the semifinals. And the Bozier boys, ranked number two, I think, in their division. They're the only boys team left. They won last night 5-1, to one, and they moved to the state semifinals. And they joined my daughter's cattle magnet, Lady Mustangs, who J.W. Um, All right. Coaches for one of the coaches, and we'll be playing St. Thomas Moore. We get a match yeah, in the state. That's what he finals. said. He goes, "We'll find out." He goes, "I think they're playing now, Parkway and St. Thomas Moore." Yeah, they, they played last night, and so now we will play them probably this weekend down in Lafayette. That'll be a great matchup. Um, the Lady Mustangs have a great team. They made the semifinals last year, but St. Thomas Moore is really good. My niece played in high school, and I remember going, "Okay, these kids are in shorts and t-shirts." And they play in February, and it was like sleeting. And I'm like, what? What is? Oh, why right. is soccer season in the middle of winter? I don't it, understand it makes, that. It makes no sense, Mike. We actually, many in the community remember that storm we had that rolled in, and the temperatures dropped like 30 degrees in one hour. Oh yeah, we went to the the tens and the nines. We were playing soccer. We, of course, being my daughter, I was in a parka and a heating right. unit and everything on the sidelines. Right. But we were actually at the soccer stadium when the storm rolled in. We started the game at 2 o'clock because we knew the game was coming. And we literally saw the storm. I've never seen a storm come at me like that one. Then it hit, and the temperature dropped about 30 degrees by the end of the game. And we really were afraid of frostbite by the time that game ended. And there was high school girls in shorts I know, and exposed yeah. skin playing in 20 degrees. Weather. No fun. It was no fun. Oh, I didn't say it was no fun, but <laughs> it, it, it was it was silly. It wasn't safe. Scott Hughes in for the recouping. Aaron McCarty, Mike and McCarty, one one.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike in McCarty. Scott Hughes in for Aaron as she's recouping from her shoulder surgery. So you took Aaron a Valentine's. Is that what you took her, Mike? I took her a, a, a an Eat Fit, I think is what it's called, King Cake that was available at, uh, oh, they're only available locally at Whole Foods. It's through Auctioner Health. And uh, they're and no, we we were joking earlier. They're not bad. No, no we, we we of course we're we're making fun of it. We should we should all eat more healthy. But it's um, it's like gluten free, uh, very low carbs. I think sugar free, <laughs> grain free. It's interesting, yeah. you but, know. But today is Valentine's. I figured I'd have you have all these Day. nice Valentine's bumper music. And, <laughs> no, it, it's what, it's. <laughs> what, what is Valentine's bumper music? That's I really don't know. <laughs> Just addicted to love, maybe yeah, Kenny G or something. Ooh, we have some Kenny G. <laughs> um, I was watching. Let me let me change gears. Uh, it was it was interesting to me. There was a thought that struck me last night uh, watching Sean Hannity. And there was an active shooter situation at Michigan State University. Very tragic. And, and and it was just, it was an active shooter situation. They haven't found the guy. People were being shot. Last night they would not found him. They, right. He, Last he, night, he as has, I was watching. He has now died of a self-inflicted wound, they're reporting. But, but. It wasn't that long ago when they would have had somebody on the ground. There would have been a sat truck there. They would have been covering this. They'd have gone to local coverage. From a, to, from a news perspective. From a news perspective. Yeah. And it was almost an offhand, there's an active shooter at Michigan State University. Coming up next, Nikki Haley is running for president. It, it was just struck me as, wow, look at where we are. Well, you, you you have two things, and and um, you know, you you do this job, but you also hang out around a TV station a lot. Your studio <laughs> is that is that the ABC I worked affiliate for KTBS yeah. for almost fifteen um, years, and and I too hang out around a news studio a yes. lot. Um, if you watch these things, how we cover these things has changed. Um, you're right. In the old days, CNN would set up, and you'd have aerial shots. As we all remember the the helicopters following the white Ford Bronco. We'll go there. Okay, right. one of the most famous traffic chases of all time. Slow speed um, traffic. And, chase. and I think now, that for two reasons, you're seeing things change. I think number one, you're seeing that they don't necessarily want to glorify the shooter. They right. don't want to give sure. them any more publicity, any more coverage to whatever their reason or cause is. Um, and number two, I think they've begun to understand tactically. You know, there, there, there becomes a time when if the news stations are broadcasting live from a active crime scene for a shooter that they don't know where they are, the shooter could simply watch CNN or make up your news channel station yeah. and know exactly where the people are. So we are seeing them cover that differently a little bit. Um, last night was interesting for us. I think you know my daughter was at University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it was three months of the day. It was the 13th of November when the shooting took place, and, and um, I was in communication with her. We were checking on her, and um, she and her friends had a little flashback. And here's another college campus where the shooter yeah. goes on and locked down. And, um, and and so, yes, I do think you're seeing them change how they cover those events a little bit. And it may be a conscious change, like you were saying. I, I think yeah. I'll, I'll go there. I'll suggest that. I do think it's a conscious change by, by, by the media to stop trying to give as much coverage to these. A lot of times people do things um, to say, look at me, to get attention. 
Um, um, this one, we don't know what the situation is. Like I said, I did hear reports this morning that the, the gunman is dead, reportedly. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have SWAT teams, bomb trucks around his house. Um, they'll go in and check that out. Um, they did report. I think from what I heard this morning that it is non-student. It wasn't off-campus. It wasn't person. related to the school at all. No, just someone picked that university, um, University of Michigan in East Lansing. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, just tragic. Yeah. Uh, it was just interesting to me. Scott Hughes filling in for Aaron McCarty this morning. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. Seven FM, seven ten Keel. <laughs> we got a message. Uh, Micah McCarty, Scott Hughes in for Aaron. We got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Um, speaking of healthy cakes from Whole Foods, uh, their Chantilly cake. By the way, have you ever had that? Chantilly can't say that I have. Oh my gosh! Is that the one? The I, I'm not, now this is, is not that a, the, one the fruit all over. We've had that one. Yeah, I think so. If that's some the fruit all over it, oh my god! Yes, it's the moistest. <laughs> yeah, I'm. This is not a. It's not a commercial for Whole Foods, but wow, we got we got that one time. I, mean, I don't go to Whole Foods that often. I'm doing radio either. for free here. I can't. Yeah. You know, it's. <laughs> <laughs> we got to we got to get you four or five bucks for gas. My gosh, it's a it's a it's a hike out here. Yeah. It, it is a hike out here. It, it's but um, glad to come spend it with you on Valentine's Thank Day. <laughs> Thank I you, do, Scott. I do want to say Happy Valentine's to my wife. This is the I think the ten minutes she gets to listen to the show every day is right now on her way to school. So Happy Valentine's Day to my wife. I think mine is up as well. She's she's doing a twelve hour shift today. Here's a nurse on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So Happy Valentine's Day, Dina. So um, okay. Nikki Haley running for president. That's what they say. Nikki's First in. official GOP candidate to announce uh, running against Trump. Trump announced officially. I, I think he's unofficially announced. He's officially announced. Yeah. He's telling anyone that wants to know he's going to run for president. There wasn't a, a, an escalator involved this time. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, Nikki Haley announced yesterday. She's she's very interesting. She and Trump, um, I, I say they used to have a good relationship. I think they still do. Um, I remember him kind of encouraging her to run, which is interesting, um, a few weeks ago. He, he hasn't really trashed Nikki Haley yet, but she was a former governor, I think, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, our United Nations ambassador. She's a very interesting lady. And it's, yeah, yeah, very intelligent. Uh, so that'll yeah, be interesting. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so there's officially two. Republican candidates at this point, officially. A lot of discussion about DeSantis, but he hasn't announced. He's the one Trump seems to be worried about. And and should be, I think. I, I think I think DeSantis probably on the Republican side was one of the two or three big players. Yeah. He he and Trump will fight for part of the Republican Party. Um and then 
and, and some may not like this, but I, I think you're going to see. We saw this a couple of years ago when we used to talk about the big kids table and the little kids table at the Republican primary because they had like 12 of them and they would split the oh, debates yeah, up. And right. I think we're going to see a similar setup this time. I think we're going to see a fight for what we'll say is the right wing of the party, maybe the MAGA branch for those that like that discussion. And then we're going to see a fight for the mainstream part of the party, the traditional Republican um, part of the party. And so I think on the one fight, you are going to see Trump versus DeSantis. And mm-hmm. one of those two is going to stand a pretty good chance. And then I do think that by the time we get around to the, the full um, debate, you're going to see a pretty good fight for the main part of the party. That's what seems to be shifting in the Republicans again. And that's the part I think that a Nikki Haley would try to appeal to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have said Mike Pence. You know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But this will be a – I wouldn't just assume that Trump, Trump is going to be inaugurated again as the candidate this time. Just because he's he's ran before. Well, he's run before, and um, when you get into when you get into politics, you really look at a couple things. One of the big things that that those that run campaigns look at is what's your negative. They're often more concerned than the negative and the positive. And at this point, you know, Trump, when he first ran, he really was a clean sheet of paper. He was this TV star. And so his negative wasn't that high. But every year he was a president, every year he's now post-president, his negative numbers creep up. And that's mm-hmm. what you worry about because those are people who will never vote for you. But, and at a certain point, you can't run a candidate that has high negatives. But when you say the mainstream part of the party, to me, that's the Nadless part of the party. They haven't done – they won't step up and 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 maintain conservative values where trump you know did what he promised he was going to do yeah they they you name, know name me a bill that trump got passed where he did what he said he was going to do uh, well we're, we're up against so he didn't do anything he said he was going to do he did it by executive order and that's the problem. You can't get legislation passed when you're on the fringe part of a party, and you can't get it through Congress. You have to get legislation through Congress, or you didn't achieve anything. Oh, we got to take a break. we got news coming up. And uh, Kate Rumley, Superintendent of Education, going to join us next hour. Mike and McCarty with Scott Hughes. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike M. McCarty. Scott Hughes in for Aaron. Uh I did go by and talk to her yesterday. Brought her uh, uh an, an eat eat <laughs> A gift. You brought her a now. gift. I brought her a gift. A king cake. We'll we'll leave it at that. Um and uh, she's doing well, by the way, for those who have asked. She's doing very well. Uh good spirits, she just can't move around a lot. Uh, still, still, obviously, still some pain after she had sh- uh, shoulder surgery last Thursday. Had some tendons repaired, so she's got that brace on, and it's all bound tightly up against her to keep her from moving. Her you shoulder. know, when she gets back, she's going to be both ornery and have like pent up demand. <laughs> she's going to be ready to go when she gets the golden mic back. Well, she told me yesterday. She says, "Do you know?" She goes, "She wanted to talk about the Super Bowl." She says, "I haven't, I haven't not been on the air." The Monday after a Super Bowl, she goes, I think ever. And and she was, you know, wanting to talk about that. And so, uh, yeah, she's looking forward to getting back. She's got to get a release from her doctor, though. I'm looking forward to her getting back. <laughs> I got to get a release from sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, you start getting to bed earlier and earlier. So this is this is not my biorhythm time. Mine either. <laughs> I'm a night. I'm a theater guy. I'm a night person. You never really get used to these kind of hours. It, it never, you know, your your body never. Uh... Let's see. I wonder if Aaron would would disagree with that. Maybe I don't know. There's some mornings where. Probably she would agree with that, definitely. Because I know Gary, he gets here at like 2 in the morning. I mean, oh, Gary, my gosh. Gary's a mutant. He, <laughs> he's, he, his body wakes him up at 3 a.m., and he's just ready to go, wired and ready to go. Yes. He's, yeah, he's built different. Yeah, no, I'm not. And even going to bed early, I can get seven, eight hours. I'm still, you know. I, but I don't hit snooze. I'm, when my alarm goes off, I'm, I'm, I get up. I, I don't wake well. I prefer to stay up late. And um, I think I was about to tell you this off air. Last night was one of those horrible moments where I got ready to go to bed and the TV was on and the Blues Brothers movie came on. Uh-uh. It was almost karma. We talked about <laughs> yeah. that earlier in the week, yes, last, we last week, about the Blues Brothers. And then there it was. There, there, there they were on the screen, and I ended up, I have to admit, watching the movie for an hour and a half. Are you serious? And I didn't go to bed till like, 1 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Oh, well, no wonder you're dragging. Yeah. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good thing I didn't find that on TV. I'd have been up with you. Jeez. That's not one that would keep me up. Now, if, if I run across, like, Shawshank Redemption, there are very few movies that I'll pick up wherever it is in the movie. I, I have to watch it from the beginning. I, I would be on that one as well. With, with, that, one, Shank, with that one, you would have been up till 3 in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a long movie. That's a, that's long, a long movie. Blues Brothers is a quick movie, but again, last night I was just I, just stunned by the array of talent. You know, the old airplane movies were kind of this way, but the, the cameos that people did oh, in the yeah. Blues Brothers movie is unbelievable. Now, we talked about this the other day, cameos in the like the Super Bowl commercials. Commercials. You and I didn't know half the cameos. Just, is it a cameo if we have no idea who they are, or is that a bit actor? I'm not sure. I looked at Dean and I said, are we supposed to know who that is? Because, you know, when they do the look at the camera, well, I thought, you know, like, well, I don't know who that is. It's lost on me. But, yeah, uh, we talked about, um, now just, I, my, my train just totally derailed. Uh, we were talking That's my goal every day. Earlier, <laughs> a trade wreck. Great job. <laughs> it was interesting uh, to me the the commute in Shreveport. My daughter lives in Dallas, and my gosh, you know, you get on one of those. She lives in Dallas or the greater Dallas area. No, she lives in Dallas. In Dallas, so she's down she in the metro. In, okay. In, yes, it, you know where the arboretum is. Yes, because people say Dallas all the time, and Dallas right. is actually not that large of a physical city. When you think of Dallas as being a 10 million people, but Dallas is only a couple million. It's a small, right. concise area. Yeah. And, and yeah, they say Dallas and they, they could be Euless. They or, mean Plano or Arlington or right. whatever. Usually like North. Or, yeah, even, uh, anyway, she lives she's in Dallas. She's in the metro, yeah. And she works. It's, uh, it, it's, oh, it's, uh, well, I'm blank on where it is. Uh, the company Comstock is who, who she works for, Jerry Jones's company. Mm. Um, Plano? Is it Plano? He's in the Plano-Arlington area. Yeah. They, they kind of bounce around when you get up in there. So, my gosh, how long does it take her to get to work and home every day? That's a that's a good little commute. You know, people that come to Shreveport and they're like, you know, from places like that, and, they, and then they commute, you know, 12 minutes to work. 
And it's like, you guys, you don't know how good you have it here in Shreveport. Well, and we were talking earlier, I think, um, this week about the good things in Shreveport. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people, we, yes, we talk about our roads, we talk about this, but if you have to sit through more than two lights in Shreveport, you, that, that's all day to us. <laughs> but but when, when Thomas, my sister lives in, she lives in the Woodlands and commutes into Houston, which every oh, day yeah. is a 45-minute yeah. commute drive. Oh, and here in Shreveport, you can go anywhere in about 15 minutes. And I remember when, when, when um, that's one of the selling points of the community. When people come here and they want to go to Barksdale or a company relocates here and they realize, wait a second, I can have a home on the lake and be 10 minutes from my job and the home doesn't cost me one point something million dollars. And people look at our cost of living. They look at our infrastructure. They look at where they can get around town. That's something we take for granted. Now, apparently, some of those roads need to be fixed, and we should be fixing those roads. I, it, it crossed my mind this morning as I'm coming down I-20. And if if you're not paying attention like you should be, and, and I admit I was not paying attention like I should be, but, you know, quarter to five or whatever, it is not as see the critical. road now. You can see the road. The lights are on. But I twenty's in such bad shape. There are parts of it Some you got to really watch like out. Original freaking pavement from when they did it. What in the sixties or whatever? We should have hired the Romans. <laughs> they built great roads. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and and it was interesting to me. I remember Aaron talking about years ago. I remember she had a break that that she was talking about the the substructure under the interstate. The the requirements from the state weren't as stringent as, say, Texas is. So we're starting off not as good. Well, and, and that really, if you travel, that really is the key, is, is, is what are you investing in long term? Are you putting in that foundation? We have a little problem, in, you know, as you get down in the south because we do, you know, we're, let's be honest, we're, we're kind of just above flood stage you know right. you get down sure um if you ever travel east of here and you go through jackson through yazoo you know they have the, the clay it's very difficult the road shifts there every time they fix it you go back a year later and it's rumble city because the road is shifting but you know you've got to invest in that yeah and, and we talked with uh, sean wilson about that one time uh several months ago and and it's just frustrating we've got to get I, that that's my hers is night street <laughs> Her, her mission, mine is I-20. Of course, you know, at this point, they could start on it, you know, tomorrow, and it wouldn't be finished in my lifetime. No, it, it, to, to fix I-20 through Shreveport would probably be a 10-year project. It's got to go from, from Louisiana Downs to, to the Texas border. Good gosh. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, when you, especially when you're coming in from Texas. It, 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 it can... We, our highway can use improvement. I've driven multiple times from here to Virginia for my daughter, 1,200 miles there and back. I've driven all up along the East Coast, and our roads, some of our roads, are, are it's they pale in comparison. But at least we've got the lowest tax structure in the country as yeah. far as the state. In, in terms of some, some oh, portions Oh, wait a it, minute. But it's the highest. The highest, the highest in, in, in some areas, particularly sales tax. <laughs> 1017 FM, just bringing the good.
Whoa, it's what? 101.7 FM 7. I think it's 1 o'clock. <laughs> it's 7.25 <laughs> and 40 seconds is exactly what time it is. Mike and McCarty, Scott Hughes, uh, in for Aaron. She's doing well. Um, and so uh, hopefully she'll be back next week. We, uh, you, you had a story. You said the entrance ramp coming out of downtown is closed. Uh, is that it's, right? It's the Go Martin, yeah, it's the Market Street ramp going on to I twenty East is closed now. I'm guessing for repairs and uh, yeah, so coming out of downtown. Okay, going east. Right. Right. Now that's the one that merges with the other entrance ramp coming from the north. I mean, coming from the south. Right. Yuri Drive to Market to I twenty. Yes, yes. And and my mom's like, I won't even get on that. I won't even <laughs> go that way because it's it's such an awkward. It's like a Mario route. Kart racetrack in that area. Yeah. It's Just, ridiculous. My, my mom used to call it the gauntlet when we would drive through there. I hate driving through the gauntlet. <laughs> and it used to be real short. You used to have to be like at speed and merge. If you weren't right. doing thirty or forty and ready to go, you would come to a dead stop and could be there for a half hour. And and another one that's even worse is just the other side of the river coming out of Bozier, right in front of Horseshoe. Off of traffic coming up, coming, coming up, up past the Red River Chevy, heading west onto I twenty. And and there's there, they I mean, never that that is what it is. <laughs> and it's and there's no way to change it. Well, that's the casino crowds. They're used to taking the chances, you know, because. <laughs> Getting on I-20, that's not the... You should go back and get on at Old Menden or something. That's just a better way to get on. Yeah, because it's, it's it, that's a rough one. That's a because rough one. Because I'm a firm believer in going, there, there's a reason that it's a ramp. you got to get up to speed and merge in with the traffic. People that go up to the, in, the, the an entrance ramp and stop... No. No, you're. you're oh. You have to be a Viking. Do it. <laughs> be a Viking. You gotta, That's you got to get up to speed and merge. The other historic bad one was if you were getting on an airline drive coming west. That that used to be a very tough on, um, trying to get on from airline drive coming straight up, and it was like mm-hmm. a 15 foot on ramp, and cars are coming full speed because they've been coming past Louisiana Downs Industrial right. Drive coming in, and that was a very dangerous. They've extended that one a little bit to give you some. Yeah, more they have. Room. They've extended that, um, but that was very difficult. But on the positive infrastructure news i have seen the last couple of days apparently the um the new barksdale gate out there by louisiana downs that whole intersection is ready to go we're going to have a brand new way just to get off of i-20 go straight into barksdale air force base that main new gate going in and that is going to realign the air base in terms of how traffic goes in so that's out by Louisiana Downs. That's not the one at Industrial you're talking about. Correct. That's not, you know, this is a new, if you've not been okay. out there in a while, where Louisiana Downs and 220 intersect. Right. Where yeah. right now yeah. 220 comes around and mm-hmm. it is always T intersected or Termas. Silver Star. Termas intersected by Silver Star by Louisiana Downs. What, they done, what they've done is, if you can picture this, 220 will, will now go straight east a little more, and that will become an entrance to Barksdale Air Force Base. So if you're coming down I-20, east or west, you'll be able to get off and go straight into Barksdale off of the interstate. It will effectively realign how people go to the base, including the main gate at Barksdale Boulevard, all the other gates. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I heard of some reports last night that um, we, we may be getting more soldiers, more airmen out there at the base. The ba- that will strengthen the base. So we have soldiers out at the base. Uh, oh, from the army? We have we have you have all branches. We have CBs out at the base. Interesting. Yeah, there's a CB detachment out on the east, or at least there was when I used to live on the base. There's a CB detachment out there. All branches of the military, I think, are represented on that base. Obviously, the bulk of the people there are Air Force. Now, and, and also, Barksdale is like the second largest 
as far as land mass? It is a large base. They store a lot of thugs at Barksdale Air Force Base. <laughs> My grandmother used to take me fishing out on Flag Lake. Flag Lake, all the way around the East Reservation. That's now. Is that is that? Yeah, is it's that ramp past that or? Um, that ramp is the ramp is basically right at the end of the runway. If you think okay. about it in those terms, where it's coming in, it is coming in a little more on the east side, um, and then traffic so will have to go far. around the runway. But um, some of the, the, the discussion I heard yesterday was not only is this and this 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 is basically a done project. Next time we have Sean Wilson on, um, you can ask Sean Wilson about this. They've worked a lot on this, but they're also going to have a new welcome center for Barksdale by twenty five two thousand twenty five, um, and this really strengthens Barksdale and sets it up for the next um, generation. I got a question too. I'll ask you, but we got to do uh, we got to do news. Take a break. Uh, Kate Brumley going to join us uh, at seven forty. State superintendent of schools. State superintendent of schools on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Hey. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Ruben, you said something during a break earlier this morning that just blew my mind it's the one year anniversary of snowmageddon yes yes i've already been a year yeah i posted a video i i wouldn't have known if it wasn't for facebook memories so there's that and uh apparently i posted a video as it was rolling in and about that was uh i think i got uh i think i got stuck at my house for a whole week after i posted that video (laughs) (laughs) that was snowmageddon and then of course the big freeze uh, at Christmas this year, well, were you on with Snowmageddon? Did you come? No, I, had, I, I, I wasn't here had yet. Quite yet. I wasn't here yet. I think I remember Robert and Aaron being stuck up here, and they were like at the hotel down <laughs> like the street, with no power and no water, like and, cooking right. canned beans on a hot plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife, you know, she's a registered nurse, and, and uh, she's worked at Willis Knight in forty years, and they were having to send guys out with. Like you know, big four wheel drive and, and going and getting nurses and bringing them to work. And water became a problem. And, and we mentioned I, I run the Realtor Association. We look at monthly sales data. We, if you look at the sales data for the last couple of years and houses sold, it's a steady line up. And then there is this blip in February of last oh, year. We yeah. had to mark that because you don't really sell any houses in a two week <laughs> period where there's when you can't get out. There's no power or water. But 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 again, we we say this a lot. It was a, it was a, a crisis in many ways, but it was also some of Shreveport Bozier's finest moments. I remember private people pulling trucks of water up to hospitals. To right, right. Yeah. Uh, Kate Brumley, uh, Louisiana State Superintendent of Education, next with Mike and McCarty. 1017. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty, Scott Hughes in studio on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. State Superintendent of Education, Kate Brumley, joining us. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. You've got some good news this morning. So this is uh, actually pretty significant. Our NAEP rating, uh, Louisiana has uh, grown. We've increased from forty six to forty second. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't want to jump for joy over this, I mean, because we're still in the 40s, right? But uh, we, we all recognize that, uh, especially those of us who are natives of the state, that 
you know, we hear, well, we're 49th, we're 50th in education. And uh, those rankings come so often from the nation's report card, which is NAEP testing of fourth and eighth graders in reading and math. And so the last time uh, those results were provided before the pandemic, that was 2019. Uh, And most recently, uh, after a a one-year delay, uh, they were provided in 2022 because they're supposed to happen every two years, but it took three years this time. And so whenever results came out this time, uh, we moved from 46th uh, in the country among the states to 42nd. Uh, which is good progress. Uh, we well, certainly want to going in the right uh, direction. The 30s. Yeah, we want to jump in the 30s. Um, but we we also, I think, notably, we we led the country. Our state led the country in fourth grade reading growth. So uh, we had the most growth of of any state in the country in fourth grade reading, um, which you know tell, tells uh, tells us that our initiatives there are, are are working, and we have to you know hold the line. Uh, and, and continue to push forward with our, our, our literacy work. Dr. Brumley, or Kay, this is Scott Hughes. I've known you a long time. Um, congratulations on this data. Um, as I look at a lot of the bullet points that we've been provided, first of all, congratulations. The NAEP is a huge deal. You know, I know education statistics. Um, the, the NAEP is a huge deal. What do you attribute to this to? It looks like to me that we may have done better than other states during the COVID lockdown periods. Is that some of your takeaway here, or is this the result of some long-term initiatives you have had in place at DOE? Well, I think I think it's a couple of things. One, when we look at fourth grade reading results, our, our fourth graders are actually reading more proficiently post pandemic than before the pandemic. That's that's what NAEP indicates. Um, in terms of eighth grade reading, we we basically held constant uh, from 2019 to 2022, uh, whereas other other states fell. And in math, math was the most significant decline across the country. Um, and we fell too in math, but, but not as significantly as, as other places. And so I think that all of that, that played in. But if I, if I had to, if I had to provide like these are the things that happened, uh, I would say one, uh, we prioritize face to face instruction through the pandemic as much as possible, having kids in school every day face to face. You know, sometimes we're unable to do that, but overwhelmingly we push for face to face instruction. Uh, we we had a number of, of summer programs uh, over the last uh, two years that were really important. We had four times the amount of kids in our summer programs than ever before. We we emphasized a lot of tutoring in, in reading and math throughout the state, which I think was helpful. Um, and so a lot of these things, I, I believe, paid off. Uh, but, look, we, we are still on challenge. We're still 42nd in, in the country, and uh, – we want to make progress. We intend to make progress. And I think that if we go back to the basics on these foundational reading uh, skills and foundational math skills, we can make that progress. Well, and, and, and the data seems to show that. Congratulations. My other big high-level takeaway seems to be it takes teachers to do that face-to-face education. And you've got some great numbers here, it looks like, on overall teacher retention and first-year teacher retention. W- w- what's your feel on keeping people in the profession in Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, outside of the parent, there, there's nothing more important than a teacher for a child's academic success. Two, two, no, last year, we surveyed the state, and, and we found that we needed 2,520, 2,520 additional teachers across the state to staff every classroom, which if you just do some simple math and ratios, that, that tells you that about 50,000 kids across the state last year needed to teacher. And so 
you know, we, we worked with our legislature, we worked with our state board, we, we pushed some initiatives, um, some policy, policy matters, and, and we cut that this year to 1,203. So we cut it, I believe, by 52%. Um, but we have more work to do. I mean, look, we, we, have to, we have to work on the supply side to make sure that we're able to, to, to get people into the classroom that are, that are capable, competent, intelligent, creative. But, but we also have to retain. Um, and we have to make sure that we're listening to teachers and, and making sure that pro- we're providing them a, a, a good environment. And so what do they want? You know, they want to be compensated well. They want principles that they find acceptable to them. They want a, uh, an environment where they can grow and get better at their job, have their voices heard. And, and I think they want an environment where they're free to teach without behavior and, and discipline problems. And so those are the things that we have to provide to teachers because programs don't matter in, uh, unless we have effective teachers in order to implement those things. We're talking with Dr. Kate Brumley, Superintendent of Education. Uh, we've also got a little bit of good news for Shreveport Bozier. You were up here earlier this month uh, recognizing Atkins Elementary and Bozier Elementary. Tell us about uh, their success. Yeah, look, through the comeback, we knew that we wanted to highlight campuses on, on the backside that, uh, you know, achieved uh, significant accomplishments, et cetera. And so what, what we did is we used our LEAP, which is our state test, uh, and students score in a number of different categories in, in, in the content areas. They score as unsatisfactory, basic, uh, they score as unsatisfactory, approaching basic, basic, mastery, and advanced. That's kind of the, the sequence of where a child can score. And so what we wanted to say is we said, look, let's look at 2019 before the pandemic and let's look at our 2022 results. And, and any school across the state that both had their numbers of mastery and advanced kids increase while at the same time taking that bottom level, that unsatisfactory level, and reducing that number as well, and we wanted to highlight them. And so whenever we applied that across the state, which is pretty significant to do both of those things, um, we found 41 campuses that did that, and um, uh, Atkins Elementary and and Bossier Elementary did those things. And so we wanted to uh, go up and and provide them a banner, give them some uh, pats on the back, which they deserved, and uh, just highlight some of their work. So we were excited to do that. Uh, and Kate, um, I've known you since you was a principal. Many may not know, or listeners may not know, you were the superintendent of DeSoto Parish Schools. You're a local boy, then Jefferson, now the state superintendent. My whole time I've known you, if there's one thing you've stood for, it's early education. And February is early education month. Talk to us about the commitment to early education and how you feel about that in Louisiana. Yeah, it's, it's really important. I mean, I, I think that we need to make sure we have uh, in environments where our, our, our earliest learners can be served. Now, look, many times that's going to be in the family home or, or, or by a loving grandparent or family member or friend. Uh, but oftentimes that, that's not the case, and, and we need to have early care centers uh, where, where uh, our youngest learners have the opportunity to grow and, and be safe and uh, have a healthy environment. And so I think our legislature has done a really good job uh, particularly the last couple of years of, of making investments in that particular industry. Um, I know that over the course of the pandemic, it was super important to keep those centers open because uh, parents needed a place for their kids to be, and, and without that, they couldn't go back to work. And so I, I really think our early care industry uh, played, a, played a hero's role uh, over the last few years, and it's important to highlight early care. Uh, our early care workers, our early care directors, our early care owners, uh, and, and the work that they do every single day. You know, our agency has oversight over early care, um, birth to four, but also K-12. And, and 
sometimes people don't realize that. So, so we have to do our role in supporting their work as well. Dr. Kate Brumley, Superintendent of Education, thank you for your time, sir. We appreciate the, uh, the, the updates. Yeah, thanks. Have a great day, guys. You too. Thank you. 101.7 FM. Here we go. Here it goes. 1017 FM 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty. Uh, Scott Hughes in for Aaron while she's recovering from her shoulder surgery. Hopefully she'll be back next week. Hopefully. Um, we were talking off, off, uh, off mic a moment ago, off camera. Um, uh, uh, George Carlin. I don't know how that came up. Oh, oh. The seven words the, were done yeah, the seven, this morning. seven words. So I've got a list apparently I'm allowed to say. That's, that's the old George Carlin <laughs> skit. Um, he, you know, he worked in radio here. He was he stationed was at Barksdale. Yeah. And, uh, this is back in the late fifties, early sixties, I think. Before my time. And mine too. And, uh, he worked at, uh, KJOE station here in town when I think they were, it was a music station at that time. And he also did Shreveport Little Theater and, um, got kicked out of the Air Force. I don't know. Was he dishonorably discharged? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. It's been a long time since I've, uh, read that, read that particular story. But either way, he was, he was asked to not be in the military anymore. <laughs> it probably wasn't by mutual agreement. Right. A good fit. Yeah. Uh, but that's just, you know, part of the history of the Shreveport has such a rich history. Um, there, there was talk that Shreveport could have been at one time, you know, Nashville. It's everywhere you go, you hear little stories like, like the George Carlin story. I, I, I'll always remember going up to, um, we go up to Branson, used to, you know, mm-hmm. with my in-laws would go a couple times and there's a famous, um, violinist up there. Soji oh, Tabushi, Tabushi. who has one of yes. the best shows up there. And if you study Soji Tabushi, he actually got his start in Bossier City. He played fiddle for Brooks and Dunn back when they were anchored out of here. And now you go up there, and he is an unbelievable musician with this stage show that draws millions of people. And he still speaks in his show of his love of Bossier City. Oh, that's awesome. Now, Kix Brooks used to come in when I was doing mornings right behind you at that studio. KWKH. When the it condemned was, studio behind me now? Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> they're redoing it. Um, Kix used to come in. This is before Brooks and Dunn. And he'd sit in the, in the, in the studio with us in the mornings and, and we'd play cuts off of his album. That's when we could, had more freedom. <laughs> this town, it's, it's got such a great history. Yes. One of my friends from high school showed me a picture one time. I think the picture, if I remember correctly, it's Eddie Van Halen, an old picture, mm-hmm. and he's wearing a Bozier YMCA t-shirt. Well, Valerie Bertinelli lived here. There it is. Yep. Yep. I, I was going to get to that connection. It's a, so much of that. Her her dad was a, an executive at General Motors. Yeah, a friend of mine videoed their wedding. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, Scott Hughes in for Aaron McCarty, 1017 FM 7. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, uh, Aaron out re- recuperating from her shoulder surgery. Scott Hughes graciously stepping in for a few days here. 
Um, we talked earlier this morning about the uh, the Michigan State shooting, and it was interesting to me the 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 coverage how coverage has changed. I was watching Fox News last night while it was still an active situation. And you and I, we grew up with CNN in its heyday. We grew up with live coverage, a satellite truck. I remember seeing it right. Well, remember the Gulf War. I mean, we watched the beginnings of a war. I remember seeing those tracer Blitzer, bullets. And Bernard the, King on the yes. balcony. Yeah. And, and James Earl Jones. This is CNN. The voice of Darth Vader. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, but but uh, it was interesting to me because Sean Hannity was uh, in, in uh, the beginning of his show, and he, he came in and said, well, we have breaking news. There's an active shooter situation at Michigan State University, and they're, they haven't found the guy. Uh, they think one, one person had been killed and uh, others injured. And then he moved on. And I thought, you know, back in the day, I mean, my gosh, they'd have gone to the local Fox affiliate and, and tried to get live coverage. And they would have, you know, been all over it. Like you were saying, the, the helicopters. But, and But back in the day, the gunman didn't have a chance to have a little device in his hand that he could be watching that live coverage. Right. And I think that's when you think tactically, you, I think media is starting to get there. It's a fine line. Free speech, First Amendment right. The media has the right to cover things. But there's a responsibility issue. And if, you know, and if, and if exactly. I'm covering something and I know I know the police are about to storm a building, I maybe may not want to put that on live television and tell the person inside they're about to storm the building. And so I think you saw some of that last night and i think the second part we're starting to see and we mentioned this earlier is i really think we're starting to see do we want to glorify these people mm-hmm. and and a lot of times you won't see the name said anymore they'll stop showing the picture um you saw that with Yuvaldi a lot you know um you did not see a lot of pictures of the shooter a lot of the name of the shooter um we covered the tragedy and not the the the, the person that committed it because we don't need to make glorified heroes out of these people uh, absolutely we all remember the the Columbine uh, shooting that took place many many years ago, and that was that was wall to wall coverage, you know, and, and uh, images of the the two guys. And we I mean we all remember seeing uh, live coverage of the students running out of the school and things like that. So, well, for those of us who are a little older like you and me, we go back to, and I won't even say their names, the shooter of Reagan, the shooter of John Lennon. These people mm-hmm. can become cult heroes because of the coverage that they actually get for what they do. And I think media is learning that, you know, how, how, to, how to cover these things differently. Well, the, there's more details that have come out from the uh, Michigan State shooter. Uh, he did kill three students. Three, three are confirmed dead, I believe. Five are, or at least five are hurt and in very serious condition, I believe. Yeah, they've, they've released his name again. I, I, I'm not going to give him airtime even in this local radio station. Not related to university. That's the key. This is not a university issue. That, and it says we're still working, uh, and Michigan State Police Deputy Chris Rosman said that uh, still working to determine place or hometown and residence for the suspect. So he's not affiliated with the school. They don't know what his motives were. No, and it, and, and the key to this, from what I've seen so far, is they were able to pull some surveillance video early in a building they knew he was in. They were able to get that picture out really quickly and I do think this is a moment where the public helped. Someone recognized him and said, I think that's this person. 
and the, very quickly thereafter, the police were able to locate him. We don't know the details yet. He is dead of what they're saying is a self-inflicted wound, but it's clear the police located the person and surrounded him, and then the incident ended. And you're talking about a large university. You're talking about something the size of an mm-hmm. LSU Baton Rouge. Tens of thousands of students were terrorized, locked down. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, my daughter is at UVA, University of Virginia, where this happened just three months ago with mm-hmm. a shooting on campus, and she was up all night. She and her her people had flashbacks to being locked up in those dorm rooms for you know eight nine hours, not knowing what's going on. And of course, it brings up the inevitable Second Amendment argument: the the the, the, the access to guns, the right to bear a gun, and and what you and I were talking about briefly off air is um, it, it, it's you get into a third issue here, I think sometimes, which is you'll have people that say ban guns, you'll have people that say everyone should carry a gun. You get both sides of this argument, but this is a college campus. You know, I don't think anybody really wants college kids running around with weapons. You know, one one solution here. But nor does anybody want a college campus to come a prison. You don't want the whole thing locked down. Mm-hmm. And so when you get these types of situations, particularly at schools, we could go elementary schools as well, it creates a real debate of how do we protect our kids. And one of the one of the issues that were brought up were the fact that maybe training teachers and administration and allow them to have weapons and now your wife is a teacher my I, wife's a special ed teacher here in the caterpillar school system and and you know i she would not carry a gun i, I, I was think, going it, to say it, I, I know you required wife, her to she probably would quit but she she there's no way she would ever carry a gun especially around kids and so i don't think you make it a requirement i think you make it an, an option for those who do want to, and obviously they need to be trained, they need to know what they're doing. My wife loves her SRO officer. Yeah, absolutely. And and in and I know in Bozier Parish they're all uh, Bozier Parish deputies that are SRO officers through the schools. Caddo Parish are they Shreveport officers? Or are they I, I deputies think it's a as mix. well? A lot of them are, are police officers, but I know okay. there's some sheriff deputies out there too. But I mean, they can't be every place, and you know. You, some schools, you just have one SRO officer. And at school camp, the biggest problem you have with school campuses, and this is what we saw here in East Lansing with Michigan, the shooting last night, and you'll see it at almost any campus anywhere, is campuses are designed to be open. They're academic spaces. They're designed. Most of them have multiple entry points, and you really don't want a campus to look like a prison. Nobody wants to put a fence around it and have metal detectors. But short of that, my wife teaches at AC Steer, mm-hmm. which is right there on Uri Drive near the park. And it's a, you know, it's a school that's been there almost a hundred years. It wasn't designed in 1920, you know, for security purposes. It was right. designed where you could easily walk up from all angles, to get to the playground. It's an open air school. Um, and so, you know, we, we live, we, we just live in a time when securing certain places, securing a courthouse, we can do that. We can build it like a fortress. How do you make a school? safe that's the argument and the discussion we're going to have we had uh, some interesting moments at the shreveport city council meeting last night uh we'll talk with uh, councilman jim talaferro coming up at 8 40 mike and mccarty scott hughes in for aaron 1017 
1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty with Scott Hughes in for Aaron. And we were talking about this situation at Michigan State. And uh, you, you brought up off uh, during the break Uvalde. And we can secure schools to, to, to make them fortresses. But if the people aren't adhering to protocols if you don't follow the protocol every day all day long then no security matters any security is the the weakest link i mean here in this building um which is rather locked down today there's been times in the past you and i both know a brick has kept the door open because we know someone's coming or you know that's all it takes that's all it takes is to to let somebody in and then you get to what we were talking about was uh, on a college campus especially the openness of the campus the environment you're creating and what environment do you want to create and so this is the conversation we're going to have in our country and keep having until we find some way to reach that balance well not live in a military state but have have protections when keel and kmbq were downtown and it was 710 spring street we all know the building it's just a brick building right there um and and back in the day the doors weren't locked like they are now and somebody walked in with a rifle to the to the radio station and looked at the receptionist and said i'm looking for jeff edmund who was the legendary morning guy uh, you know in this market for years and apparently jeff had said something that made this guy upset and uh, he walked up the stairs and ended up firing a shot down through the through the middle of the radio station. It, it is a real thing. Um, you do a lot of radio and voice talent. Um, I sit here on the radio with you and Aaron sometimes, but I also do television. And um, it is interesting to go out in the community and be recognized by complete strangers. Oh, yeah. And sometimes, I, sometimes you get that moment where you're not sure – is this person happy with what I said? Um, and so security can be a real deal. Um, but these are the, these acts that we're looking at at the schools. Um, it, it makes no sense. They don't even have a motive yet. Um, you know, we had the, we had the the stabbing up in Idaho. Um, you know, a couple months ago, they caught that guy. But you know, guy just randomly kills four college students. I mean, these are the ones that 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 ignite communities and really raise the question about the trade off between security. And, um, and and how we protect, particularly our young people. And, and they, they have released some footage, uh, some pictures of the uh, Michigan State University shooter. Um, he he's, looks like one he's walking in a door. Uh, that's coming up a staircase. I've seen, the staircase. That's the picture. That, that's actually the picture somebody recognized him from. Um, which is interesting. I think a lot has to do with his stature, how he stands. He's wearing some very dis- um, descriptive shoes. Somebody, yeah, somebody sure recognized that picture and said, "I think that's Bob or whatever the guy's mm-hmm. name is." It's a forty-three-year-old man, uh, unaffiliated with the school. They don't know a motive. Um, and, and Ruben, you were talking about uh, your your kid at high school. You can't you can't even take him. Uh, some medication no, or, or his no. uh, lacrosse. Yeah, if equipment. he forgets his if he forgets something from lacrosse, he he forgot it. <laughs> I can't. You cannot pass anything to your kid from outside of the school. You have to check them out, take them home, let them get it, and then bring them back. And you waited outside Which, while they went and got him. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. I, I'm not even allowed in the school. In the school, like this happened yesterday. And uh, you know, on one hand, it's kind of a pain. 
<laughs> on the other hand, I'm glad that security says, you know, is in place so nobody can just walk right up into the school. I remember going up to uh, Apollo Elementary when my kids were little and going to have lunch with my daughter, you know, in the, in the middle of the day. I don't know if you can even do that anymore. I remember leaving Bozier High School and going to McDonald's. And it was the daily. We used to park oh, behind. Yeah. I shouldn't say this now, but we used to actually park behind the boys' gym yeah. at Bozier High School on the backside. Yes, and then we I would leave exactly. campus during school. We'd go to the McDonald's and we'd come back. And they didn't know we left until the day we ran into the principal at McDonald's. <laughs> at McDonald's his in name the middle of Ken, the day. His name was Kent Corley. He was a general in the National Guard. And um, what was funny is kids, Ken's only question was, are you going to be back in time and next time you're buying me lunch? <laughs> I went to Bosch High School. Loved it. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Jim Talaferro. It's a little bit of excitement at the city council meeting yesterday. He'll come up at uh, 840, 101.7 FM. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Scott Hughes in for Aaron. I went by and saw her yesterday. She's doing very well. That she and her son were watching a soccer match on the TV. Uh, she's not up and like moving around a lot. She's she was, doing great if she's, she's watching soccer. She's yeah, <laughs> she was doing very well, uh, and so uh, she's she's hoping to be back next week. And uh, so we look forward to her getting. She actually misses it. She misses coming in. I'm hoping she's back next week. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Makes me feel good. No, no, I will not be here the next two days. Right, because I have to go do a day job. You've got actual. You've got things you've got to do. Uh, got Lewis R. Avalone uh, scheduled. He's going to come he's in tomorrow. Good. Yeah, I love having Lewis in. He's great. Uh, but uh, we talked with uh, Jim Talaferro earlier this morning. Does District C City Councilman for the City of Shreveport? A uh, little bit of excitement at the. Uh, city council meeting find out what all happened next mike and mccarty what life One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Uh, apparently, we had some fireworks. A little bit, not not major. Nothing. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to blow something out of proportion. Uh, at the Shreveport City Council meeting yesterday, uh, a couple of council members were upset about funding for uh, road repair. We got uh, District C Council Member Jim Talaferro on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for uh, being available at this ungodly hour. Oh, it's not ungodly. You know, typically this is how I rise about five o'clock, and we're rocking and rolling. <laughs> well, I figured you were. That's why I didn't hesitate too much to uh, to text you and, and check in with you. So, sure, no worries. Uh, yesterday uh, at the at the council meeting, there was mm-hmm. uh, a little. I, I say fireworks. Uh, a little exchange. <laughs> the um, city engineer Patrick Furlong was making his presentation about uh, funding for road repair, and mm-hmm. a couple council members got upset. He said the, the their their initial um, uh, estimate had gone up by three million dollars, and then mm-hmm. they checked in, and it was another million. Can can mm-hmm. you recap on what 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 happened? Well, I, 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 I got to tell you that uh, I did have to step out briefly to take an, uh, another call. But, um, yeah, the exchange actually happened because of budgetary concerns, budgetary um, 
um, overruns and so forth uh, with regard to materials is what I understand. And um, all of us, I think all of us, are facing um, our constituents, and our constituents said, hey, you know, we have we have been kind of neglected for years on simple road repairs, um, whether it's in our residences or whether it's in our public thoroughfares. So, yes, I think Councilman Bowman and Councilman uh, Tampa the Taylor, um, they had been they felt that they had been put on the back burner uh, for the last three years. And, of course, it's no fault of this administration. We are trying to this administration is trying to get a handle on all of the costs that go into multiple projects. As you all know, Aaron's biggest thing is Knight Street, which was funded a long time ago, yet we have yet seen any kind of movement. And um, so I inquired about Knight Street specifically, not yesterday, but during conversations with streets and so forth. And, you know, basically it's, right now we just don't have the money. Well, that's kind of really not acceptable. And I think uh, certain council people um, are really kind of passionate, obviously passionate about serving their constituents and getting quality of life issues taken care of. So that was the majority of the gist of the conversation. Well, and when you talk about Knight Street, though, since you brought that up, um, mm-hmm. there was a bond issue passed. Why isn't sure. we ha- we had well, the money? You're absolutely right. We had the money set aside. And, and of course, my, my thing today is I need to figure out where that money went. And um, because that's that's our job is that if you have a, if you appropriate money for a specific project and the people vote on it, the people trust you to spend the money wisely like they they voted for then where is it, where did it go, and what do we use it for? Now, one of the one of the things when uh, Patrick Furlong was making his presentation, um, Councilman, Councilperson Bowman got mm-hmm. upset and even mm-hmm. said he was lying. Mm-hmm. And, and her quote is, it's because you keep telling us lie after lie after lie, and we need some transparency. It's a mess, unquote. Yeah, that is. I think that is one of the biggest um, things that obviously we all want from any administration that we serve, and that's what our constituents want: is just tell us, so we can tell our constituents. Just be honest with us. With us, if you don't have the money, we don't have the money. Tell me why we don't have the money. If costs are going up, tell me the costs are going up, and we're trying to do a workaround as far as getting those materials into um, to make the necessary repairs. But um, I think their biggest thing is, and I don't want it for them, but I think if if it was me, I just want to know. That's all you have to tell me is tell me the truth. Tell me what I need to know so I can tell others, you know, and be relatively factual about what I'm telling you and that we are working diligently to kind of do the workarounds to make those things happen as, as far as streets and, and projects like that. Now, this was budgeted. Some of these projects were budgeted uh, by the council last year. That's and, correct. And Patrick Furlong said they got an estimate about six months ago, and mm-hmm. it's it's now because is this strictly due to inflation? An additional three million. It was three million six months ago, and now uh, apparently a month ago it's up to four million more. Yeah, I, I think in. Uh... It's hard to say if inflation is the end-all, be-all reason for anything, but it seems to be a common denominator in a lot of construction costs. You've seen that in the housing industry. You've seen that in commercial building. You've seen that in um, um, businesses not really ready to do the brick-and-mortar because of the high cost of materials. I, I would be remiss if I didn't believe that that has something to do with it. 
Um, I'm all about like, okay, if, if you're sitting around waiting for the prices to go down, you know, it reminds me of famous Amos Cookies when he bought, when he started his business and sugar was at an all time high and it really wasn't going down. So you just kind of bite the bullet, you buy what you can, you repair what you can. But I'm not the streets guy, but uh, I know that infrastructure needs to be taken care of. We need to be diligent about it. And sometimes we just have to buy the materials at inflated prices. I know that sounds easy, but, um, you know, I, I think we're all looking for a great solution for our constituents. You said you discussed the uh, the camera situation. What was discussed? Anything determined? Yeah, you know, the blue line has got the contract for the, uh, the school zone speed cameras. And uh, there were questions asked about uh, certain areas uh, where the cameras were installed, where the flashing lights were not uh, working properly. Uh, one of the biggest concerns, or one of the biggest questions was, do we need um, a two-hour window for school zones running from 7 to 9 or 2 to 4? And that was, that was some discussion. Uh, of course, Blue Line uh, has done research and across um, in a variety of other cities, and they typically have a two-hour window. Uh, I think the uh, proposal from the uh, administration, um, the mayor's office, is that we narrow that window down and um, kind of go along with uh, what our schools really have as far as scheduling goes. So that was a little bit of discussion. Um, I know that Blue Line is uh, very uh, proactive as far as um, lowering the speeds um, and um, kind of changing the culture as far as going through school zones. I know that I don't have it in front of me, but um, we've lowered our um, our speed um, violations by approximately 80, 85, 86 percent. Um, so we know that they are working. However, there are some there are some people out there, some of our constituents that receive multiple tickets because of the um, the way that the school zones have been set up in certain areas around certain schools, and that um, obviously you, you're talking about $125, I think, is about the average ticket. And when you get six of those or five of those, and you're you're a teacher and you're this is your school zone, but yet there's nothing that indicates that there's anything going on as far as electronic monitoring, then that can be very upsetting. And that was one of our concerns as well. So I think Blue Line is willing to work with this. I pretty much. Um, asked, um, and I, I, I'm sorry, slips his, slipped my mind, the, the, uh, the president of Blue Line, is that what are we going to do for the, the constituents that actually got tickets when the school zones really were not functioning properly? And so I think they're going to look, he's going to look into that as well. I know that uh, he is going to be willing to install a lot of electronic um, flashers uh, that are throughout the city in the school zones to make sure that everything is synchronized. So um, we're we are we are have we have the the uh, I'm sorry we we have the system in place. It's just that we are responsible to our constituents to ensure that that system functions um, and is a, in in a highly respectable manner. Now the school zones are, are seven to nine and two to four. Is that current? And I know they talked about changing the hours. That's correct. They are current now, but keep in mind that um, not all schools operate in the same hours. Right. So that is one of the things that we have to tailor, really has to be tailor-made for that specific school zone. Um, high schools are different. Uh, elementary schools are different. Um, so that has been one of the concerns with our constituents in a variety of areas. I know that Lakeshore around Judson, 
Um, they received a lot of citations over there, and that was because of, uh, I, I think, faulty um, or non-existing or non-working um, traffic control devices or monitoring, uh, not monitoring guys do it, but uh, the school zone signs, the flashing lights. So we're working on that area specifically, and there are other areas that have been brought to their concern, and they have been very diligent, willing to um, ensure that those school zones that we are currently operating in are going to be um, uh, monitored properly using the electronic devices. Jim, good morning. This is this is Scott Hughes. Quick, quick follow up to that. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, it, what's your advice if we have citizens that have an issue? They've gotten a ticket. We've we've heard of some people appealing. I'll use that word in quotes. Their ticket. What would be your advice to someone that gets one of those tickets and they think that they they that they uh, perhaps the camera was improper? Because I know fine tuning is important. We're going to get there, but and it's just, I think what Mike's asking about this interim period is as y'all fine tune the cameras. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, uh, Blue Line is actually looking at um, having a, for lack of a better word, a real live person to handle concerns and complaints um, regarding the uh, tickets uh, associated with these school zones. Um, right now, they can best call the Shreveport Police Department Traffic Division, and they can kind of give um, give the contact number for Blue Line. And he realizes that the problem is that Blue Line's answering or um, consultants are outside the city, and we want someone that actually is local so our people can actually deal with someone on a local level that understands our area and understands the school zones and so forth. So, But right now, um, contacting the Shreveport Police Department and our traffic division, and if, uh, if, they don't, if they don't see the number on the back of the citation when they do get it, they can always call in. One of the other thing is is our delays in getting citations out there. I don't have the answer to that, but I know that people really it's like I don't know that I'm in violation of a um, uh, a freeway in Texas when I when I don't pay the toll until weeks later. I'm going. I don't even remember being there. So this is one of the issues that we hopefully to rectify with someone being on the ground that is local. They can be our kind of liaison between Blue Line and our constituents that receive citations. Jim, last 20 seconds here. Are they still planning on uh, installing these? In one oh one seven FM, 710 Keel. Also a free download courtesy of Office Furniture Source. You can take Keel News with you wherever you go with the free Keel News app. The app is great, by the way. It really is. I travel a lot, as you know. And when I'm not here, I am often listening to you and Aaron on the app. Thank you so much for that. Okay, look, I'm going to give you... We're both fathers. Proud fathers. You just got some exciting news, and I want to give you a chance to brag if you want to. If you don't, I understand. I, I am very blessed to have some very great kids, and I don't get very verklempt very often, but um, I just found out from my daughter she was named a national merit finalist at Kettle Megan High School. That's impressive. Congratulations, She's a good Dad. kid. Thank you. That's awesome. And you said she uh, she wants to go to Votech. Is that what you were saying? She's looking at some schools on the Upper East Coast. And so um, we have to wait till about March to find out where she's going to go to college. But she's going to do very, very well. But she's also she's already had offers and full she, rides. And- she's already accepted many places. And 
Um, when, you know, when it comes to your kids, I know your daughter went to Auburn and swam and lived her dream, and you want your kids to get their dream. That's Absolutely. what you always hope for. Well, congratulations. That's exciting news. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, I've enjoyed here, and I'll be back, I guess, Friday. Yeah. Um, you'll have Lewis the next two days. Lewis, Lewis Avalone coming in yeah, tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that. He's always great. I've done TV great. with Lewis. He's a very smart guy. Yes. Great guy. Thank you, Lewis. Uh, 101.7 FM, make it a great day.